This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, hope you had a great long weekend, everybody. Welcome to another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily here on the Winnipeg Sports Talk YouTube channel and podcast feed. Great to have you all with us. Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. We are, as always, brought to you by Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery, the Nick and Nicky and DQ Group, Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway, and a Boston Pizza Winnipeg. And, uh, well, it's Masters Week. We'll be doing lots of golf reports for Breezy Bend. Course opens on the 13th of April. We know that uh, the driving range was packed this weekend. Again, hard to believe. Uh, Membership waiting list right now, but can't wait to get out there this year. And we'll also um, be doing some stuff for Aikens Lake. Got to get out uh, on the water this year. Very exciting things happening with our sponsors. But, uh, Michael Remus, let's get after it. Big, big show today. So much to get to coming out of the weekend. And, man, we've got some great guests. Matt Sakaris. Uh, our good friend, formerly of TSN 1040 in Vancouver, he and Blake Price are launching uh, the Sakaris at Price Network and show. So we'll find out a little bit more about that. And first and foremost, get a little update from the West Coast on what's happening in this terrible situation relating to a COVID outbreak with the Vancouver Canucks. It's Jets Sens game day today. Thank God we have a game. Um, with these two canceled ones, Ian Mendez of The Athletic will join us, and we'll certainly talk about the Sens season, his thoughts on the Jets and the North Division, as well as Ian had a really interesting piece in The Athletic last week on the future of sports radio in Canada. So we'll touch all of those topics with Ian. He's going to jump on in about 45 minutes, um, and at 1.30 we kick off Masters Weekend style. Reed Fowler of DraftKings will come on. Always love talking with Reed. We'll discuss Jordan Spieth's big win yesterday at the Valero Texas Open and get Reed's thoughts on tee-off for the green jacket on Thursday. And it is Masters Week. We'll be doing a little more golf than normal. Mark Zucchino is going to join us tomorrow on the program. Always love catching up with the Z-Man. And then Jeff Feinberg on Wednesday. Last call for picks before we get the lineups ready. Let's get Michael Remus in here. Remo, how are you doing? And how was your long weekend? Uh, it's great long weekend. Uh, I took advantage of what is a crown jewel of Winnipeg. I got a membership to the zoo, took my son there. And if membership? Anyone was at, if anyone, sorry? You got a membership. Yeah, I like, got We didn't we, just pop in. No, we didn't just pop Regular in. Regular attendee. I'll be making recurring visits there and if anyone was there Saturday morning and saw a kid kicking and screaming being carried home uh that was me so if anyone I have already been told who was carrying you who was carrying you yeah who was carrying me that's a good that's a good (laughs) one (laughs) I like that but uh it, it happens it happens but hey you know what the weather is great I can't complain I finally put away my winter boots and I'm going with my uh Nike's so uh, things are uh, looking up here. Winter boots, man. I don't think I've had my, uh, I, I literally have had a door open in my place for the last 36 hours. Open air in the Hustler Dome right now. It's, uh, it's beautiful. I cannot believe how nice it is out right now and that this is the beginning. Well, I was mentioning, but the golf course is opening and breezy whatnot and on the 13th. I mean, there were golf courses were packed this weekend. Um, very rarely do you see that in Winnipeg in, in early April. But um, anyways, we will talk some golf a little bit later on with it being Masters Week. Uh, but Reem, as we mentioned, we have a game tonight. We originally did not have a game tonight, but because of this very serious situation with the Vancouver Canucks, uh, the two games here scheduled against Vancouver were postponed. 
it is nice, I think, for fans and as well as the team that they'll be able to get one of these games in and uh, just work in the schedule around. And look who's here. It's the Ottawa Senators tonight coming off a big win against the Montreal Canadiens, putting up six on Carey Price Saturday night. Yeah, I totally agree. Us. Um, first of all, you know, thinking about the Canucks, uh, you saw some of the reports that, you know, how many players, I think it was up to 20 last time I checked. Uh, trainers going to, the, you know, players' homes, giving them IVs. Uh, sounds really not great. So you hope uh, they're okay, I, aside from finishing the season. But props to the NHL, you know, the Jets, um, you know, we thought maybe they would have some time off because of this. But they did some rescheduling, some reshuffling, and they scheduled a May game to tonight so we still have Jets hockey we can watch that and I am looking uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes uh you know just shout out to everybody in the chat that's joining us right now getting tons of comments already if you're in us now in with us now hit that like button it's the thumbs up and uh, share it tell your friends um people this could be one of the first shows that neither of us have been wearing a hat Reem, and uh, your hair is getting a lot of love right now in the chat people are respecting yeah. the flow well we're on YouTube, and I made it. If people are tuning in. The boxes are a bit bigger today, so I figured, look, I got a shower, I got a shave. It's been a long weekend. We were off Friday. I actually am surprised everyone's still here. I thought maybe they uh, they forgot about us. So uh, great to see everyone in chat. And yeah, I'm usually going with the hat, but uh, I don't know. I just got out of the shower. I thought it looked good, so I'm going uh, no bucket today. It did. It did. That was an accurate assessment of your own hair. Um, now. Speaking of the long weekend, we did have Friday off. Um, I know you've been working on some tech things behind. We've got a new computer. Everything's working very smooth right now, so we're in a good spot. Um, But I will say this, Reem, it is too bad we didn't have a show after that because that game, the Jets' shootout loss on Friday night, one of the most exciting, entertaining 1-1 games I can remember in a long time. Um, And my whole takeaway from that game was, I think I tweeted this out Friday night, Give me seven of these in about six weeks between these two clubs. I mean, can you imagine a playoff series between the Jets and Leafs? Because that felt like a playoff game, and uh, man, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, all the Jets-Leafs games this year have had that playoff-type atmosphere. They've, you know, back-and-forth hockey. And again, you have two teams, elite forwards, um, you know, defense has some question marks, and goaltending on both sides. Connor Hellbuck, we know what he is, but Jack Campbell, you know, we rattled off some of his numbers uh, bef- you know, on Friday or Thursday. Oh, sitting. he was good. He was good. Yeah. I, he was in my head all weekend. I don't know about the Jets, but I had many flashbacks to Jack Campbell on Saturday and Sunday thinking about Friday's game. Yeah, and we have to one thing. Okay, is Jack Campbell, I know he was a top prospect before. He had been labeled a bust, you know, bounced in from a couple of different organizations. Appears to have found a home with the Leafs. He's playing awesome. Can he keep it up or is he going to be like... I think he's not. I don't think he's the next Andrew Hammond, but I had flashbacks. You know, that's the kind of flashbacks that I have when a goalie's coming out of nowhere and just robbing the Jets at uh, MTS Center. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have to tell you, Reem, that was, the, the Jack Campbell story is fascinating, and I don't want to spend too much time on the Leafs. We'll have plenty of time to talk about the Leafs going forward, but you know, with the questions about Freddie Anderson. Um, you know, Michael Hutchinson being there, you know, in case of emergency, break glass plan. Jack Campbell has become one of the most important players on that Toronto Maple Leafs club. And, you know, to see the way he played, including the shootout, uh, although there won't be any shootouts in the playoffs, obviously. I mean, to come in and go 8-0 and for the Maple Leafs when, you know, honestly, there has been some concern about Freddie Anderson and, you know, what he's delivered for the Leafs, particularly come playoff time. Um, so, you know, uh, Kyle Dubas, uh, it, listen, I still wouldn't be surprised if they maybe added a depth goalie. 
um, just because of the injury issues those players have had. But, I mean, Jack Campbell could very well be the Leafs' number one goalie right now, even if Freddie Anderson comes back and is healthy. I'm pretty sure that he. I'm pretty sure that he is. I mean, how do you not uh, go to him? Um, his we talk about his numbers. I mean, they're out of this world. Uh, I can pull him up right now, but I'm pretty sure he's starting again tonight against against Calgary. Uh, I maybe have I may have him in my DraftKings lineup. That's uh, that's how I know. <laughs> but uh, I mean, he's been awesome, and they've kind of lacked that goaltending. I mean, Freddie Anderson, he's had good games, but then he has those uh, those stinkers and lets in the bad goal and. I think a lot of Leaf fans, for sure, can't trust him, and they're looking for someone else. And he's in the last year of a deal, so you are looking to move on. And Jack Campbell, I mean, Kyle Dubas made a number of pickups, but this Jack Campbell one could be uh, you know, the one that gets them past the first round. Rob Mahoney in the chat says, Campbell is impressive, but thinking a little too brittle for the full-time role. Um, that's the concern, of course, mm. in Toronto right now, because he had, has had you know, plenty of injuries. Even this year, he's been in out of the lineup, but when he's been in, he's been awesome. And... I mean, the Jets saw it firsthand, um, and both goalies were brilliant. I mean, Hellebuck, I think, was the player of the game for the Winnipeg Jets, making about 37-odd saves, um, and that's exactly what you expect. Um, you know, when two top teams go at each other, you're going to have the teams playing their best. I mean, both teams relatively healthy, touch wood, and um, yeah, listen, we got a great game. It would have been great for the Jets to get two points, but right now, as we see what's happening in this North Division, Remus, Really, we're talking about jockeying between these top four teams. Calgary, I mean, I've been saying they were done for a couple weeks. We can officially stick a fork in them. They've won two of their last ten games and are going nowhere fast. And, um, of course, the Vancouver Canucks are in the midst of this terror. They were already pretty much done as far as a realistic chance of making the playoffs. But what they're dealing with right now is, you know, really sending shockwaves, I think, throughout the National Hockey League and even the world of sports as, you know, maybe one of the worst outbreaks we've seen with any team since um, sports got back on uh, the playing fields. Yeah, I agree. So I know we had um, an outbreak or, you know, a minor thing that delayed the Nationals-Mets series. And that was kind of, you know, you shut it down for a couple days, and I think the uh, Mets are back at it today, Nationals tomorrow. This Vancouver thing seems like, look, you got almost the whole team. Like, who does? It's almost more people don't have uh, a situation they're dealing with than do. Um, and, again, number of players very sick, according to Darren Drager's reports. So we'll wait and see what happens. And you do have to wonder, I mean, even if they come back, what kind of shape are they going to be in? Are they, I mean, I just think there's a lot of long-term stuff we don't know about. So we'll wait and see, and I know Vancouver's got their own situation here with the variant. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what Matt Sakaris has to say uh, coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Matt's going to join us in just a couple minutes. We'll talk about that situation and get a little bit of insight as to what he and Blake Price are doing now in the aftermath of the, uh, now that the rubble of our former stations have uh, <laughs> settled. Um you know, one thing, I, I should mention this, James uh, Peter Mrazek uh, with a big win yesterday for the Carolina Hurricanes uh, got them to 53 points, but look at the top of the Central Division and the top of the National Hockey League standings, and you might be surprised to see Michael Remus all alone in first overall is the Florida Panthers. The Panthers won their sixth straight game Backstop, another shutout by Winnipeg's Chris Drieger, who for my money is one of the great stories in hockey this season. Drieger, despite the fact that Aaron Ekblad had that horrible injury, um, they just keep on winning right now. And the Florida Panthers are the number one team in the league. And as I mentioned, Chris Drieger has to be you know, one of the, the, the best stories in hockey, really in sports so far this year. 
Yeah, wow. Um, Florida, I never thought I'd see them at the, at the top, but uh, they've been working towards this for a while. Um, you know, I think Barkov and, and Huberto, they've been the guys, but you mentioned a guy like Chris Drieger. And what are they going to do with the deadline now that Aaron Ekblad's out? How, horrific leg injury last week, uh, the day after, scoring an OT winner twice, uh, you know, leg injury. So uh, they have some nice players, um, Florida, but... Uh, you know, haven't really had that success in the past. And as you said, Chris Drieger, you know, coming, I don't want to say coming out of nowhere, he kind of, he played last year, but when you're paying Bob $10 million a year for what, like forever, for the rest, <laughs> for another like 100 years, um, you're not expecting a guy like that to come and uh, be leading you towards for first place. Yeah, um, he, you know, he, and, and he'll have, you know, plenty of opportunities next year. It doesn't seem reasonable that Florida can afford a big raise for a guy when they've already got another guy playing 10, 10 uh, getting paid 10 mil a year. And, you know, Friday night, or sorry, Saturday night was Bob night for the Panthers. They uh, all wore Russian jerseys in warm up. It was celebrating his 500th game, which had happened, uh, I guess, in the bubble, maybe, or um, anyways, they didn't have a chance to celebrate it last year, so they did. So he got the start on Saturday, uh, but then right back to it, it was Chris Drieger going uh, going into the net, getting the shutout, and uh, what a great story he's been. I guess on the other side of things, we'll probably touch on this more a little bit later on if we have time, expecting Matt Sakaris to pop in in just a couple minutes. Um, it's just going from bad to worse for the former Jets now playing for John Tortorella in Columbus Ream. Um, we Jack Rosovic healthy scratched on the weekend, and then yesterday... In the second game between the two clubs, I watched the second and third periods. Patrick Laine was just about invisible, um, with the exception of a turnover that led to the second goal for the opposition. It's, uh, man, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people, myself included, that are big fans of both of those guys, and you know, want to see them do well. And it is just, um, it, it's tough to see right now. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you, you know, you want to see them succeed. You don't want to laugh at anyone. But uh, it's crazy to see, you know, they got off to such a hot start. Line A coming in, Rosovic. Rosovic got benched on the weekend by Tortorella. And you have to wonder, you know, we, we just talked about it last week. Is Tortorella going to be the guy uh, going forward here? I'm not so sure. And for Patrick Line, you have to wonder. He wants to make that big money contract. I don't think he's going to get anywhere close to where he thought. Like, what would you what would you give him? Like, I think he's looking towards somewhere closer to 10. But with the pandemic uh, and everything... I think like is he going to get five? And, and it's you look at the goal leaderboards. How many guys? Um, how many guys on the Jets are going to end up with more goals than Liney? Which is something uh, you didn't think. <laughs> Cop Appleton. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. We'll we'll have some more time. We'll maybe have to get Ports line on or something a little later on this week because um, it, it really is stunning. It's what's happening. Uh, what is happening right there? Um, all right, we'll, we'll touch more on uh, the the Blue Jackets and the rest of the NHL a little bit later on. Uh, as I mentioned, Master week is, Masters Week is here. Reed Fowler coming up in about 20 minutes. And we'll talk more Jet Sends tonight, as well as a really interesting piece in The Athletic last week by our friend Ian Mendez on the future of sports radio in Canada, which is quite a perfect segue into bringing in our good friend Matt Sakaris, formerly of TSN 1040, and now launching Sakaris and Price with his old pal Blake Price. So without further ado, let's head out to the West Coast and welcome Matt Sakaris into the program. Matt, how are you, my friend? It's uh, it's great to see you. 
Doing fantastic over there. I hope you can hear me and everything. So pleased uh, to see that you guys are up and running with your own show. So congratulations on that, my friend. We're hoping to follow in your footsteps here, buddy. Well, I appreciate it. You know, it's been an amazing month. And I think what you guys have already found out, I think, is what we found out is that, you know, the connection between... Um, you know, ourselves who were lucky enough to do this and the listeners that made us a part of their day um, is far greater than having a spot on the AM dial. And, um, you know, I want to get to the Canucks, but considering we're starting off to this, we can probably go on for a while on what's happening in Vancouver. For our listeners right now, if you are unaware, um, it wasn't just Winnipeg that got nuked. Vancouver was in the mix, an incredibly successful Vancouver station. Matt, tell us about your last month and uh, what you and Blake have been doing to get ready to uh, to launch a pretty exciting project. Yeah, well, my last two months have been pretty hectic, uh, Hustle. I'm not sure about you. Uh, I've been hustling, so to speak. Um, I would add the business community as well. Like we had a particularly huh. special bond with all our listeners here in BC, as well as the business community in the lower mainland and across our province. Uh, so the really encouraging part is that those two constituencies are still with us and still with us in a big, big way. And I'm not sure how you guys approach your show, but you know, we decided this is going to be by the community for the community. Um, you know, I think it's an ever-changing media landscape across Canada, and I think what is crystal clear right now is that the coverage expectations of our markets, particularly in Western Canada, it doesn't always work that way, uh, Hustle, <laughs> uh, do not align with the corporate priorities of some of these telecoms who, needless to say, aren't based in Western Canada. So. Um, you, we've just been so supported and the encouragement has been amazing. We launch live tomorrow at sakarisonprice.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. This will be a daily live presentation from 3 p.m. onwards. It will as well be available in podcast form, packaged in podcast after the fact. So we're just, we're terribly excited. Uh, the response to date and startup here has been great. Probably a few more conversations with lawyers and accountants than I would have preferred over the last month, but <laughs> more of a content guy myself, and I'm certainly not the uh, technical uh, um, uh, expertise whatsoever, so surrounded ourselves with some great people. And looking forward to covering this this province's sports scene as we have for the last ten years. Well, I couldn't echo what you just said more. I mean, one of the things, and and you know, hey, Gary, Gary, and I started doing this ourselves, so I actually had a bit of a background in you know creating you something and selling it. So we were in a good spot to go ahead. But I, I will say this: um, you're exactly right when you say that the connection between. Um, you know, our product and our people and our fans to the sponsors was there too, because I mean, we had people that had worked with us for a long time that, you know, took a chance having no guarantees whatsoever on what we were going to be able to deliver. I mean, the great thing was we far exceeded any of our expectations very quickly and knew we were really onto something, but to have that sort of support was, uh, listen, it doesn't happen if you don't have that support. And, uh, you know, we are incredibly thankful and I'm sure you're feeling that as well. And your sponsors will from your listeners, because we're seeing it every single day in our chat with tweets, people specifically going to sponsor or to, to support 
Royal Sports or BP or DQ or not Autocorp because they yeah. knew they were there for us on day one. Yeah, and, and I think that's a key part of it, right? Like we're all sort of in a buy local, eat local sort of world or at least trying to do so. And I think that's been the amazing parts. So, uh, part for us, uh, Andrew. I mean, like we had longtime listeners, people we recognize, you know, their Twitter <laughs> handle or whatnot, or reached out to us and said, "By the way, I own a business. We'd love to come on and support you." So I think there's much greater connectivity between us doing this directly and having that intimate relationship with our listeners and with our sponsors, without the red tape and all other complications uh, of a big corporate environment. And uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, I must say was very jealous of all the experience that you and Lawless had in this endeavor. I I had one particularly long session with Gary where he laid all <laughs> sorts of things out for me and it was very instructive and very helpful. helpful. So uh, thanks guys for being a little bit of trailblazers here and helping the rest of us out. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt, it's an exciting time. And uh, I could talk on this topic to you for an hour. I know you're very busy. I want to ask you about the Canucks, but just one final question, because you know, when, when, when Remo and I got together and we were going to do this, I kind of envisioned this is a podcast and uh, my goal, have this thing in people's inboxes by three o'clock when they normally yeah. would listen to us. And, you know, Remus introduced doing what we're doing, broadcasting it live on YouTube and then getting it up. And that's added a whole nother element to the fun of it um, and the interaction with people. And I think the ability for people to see it. I mean, you will obviously be on the podcast. You're going to be broadcasting live. But just g- give us a little idea about what you guys have been working, because I know you've been very ambitious with a number of different ways to get this content out to people in B.C. Well, um there's no substitute for live, right? We'll do it live. And um, that's what we had become accustomed to doing. But also, Hustle, like, I felt like that was, and we felt like that was the expectation of our audience here. Um, we had a 10-year show that populated middays and PM drives. And, um, you know, like, I'm not necessarily sure commuting is right back to its pre-pandemic levels, but we've seen some of that come back here across BC's lower mainland um 3 to 6 p.m pacific time is advantageous because you usually have all of the news from across the country that's already in in fact you have breaking news going because you have games on in the eastern and central time zones when we're on you know not to mention most of the news is already in here during our canucks day or whether it's lions whitecaps every every all the other teams that we cover. So when we sat down and thought about this, we thought, you know, um, I'm sure people, and of course this is the world we live in, want to listen sort of on demand when, when it suits them. But I also think that we should have a live element, um, for everybody in BC who made us a part of our, their routines for as many years as they made us part of their routines that I don't know about you, Andrew, but that was one of the things that I struggled, uh, struggled with the most, Emotionally, you know, after you get over sort of your own wound and, you know, your own grief about your job and your station going down, you look at these dozens and dozens, Mikey's like hundreds of messages saying, you know, we metered our routines and our lives to you. You know, some of the segments on your show that stayed in the same times became like signposts of our day, like, oh, time to go get the kids because this segment is on or, or things like that. So, you know, when that ends, when that's canceled so abruptly, um, it leaves gaps in the rhythm of life. And we thought we're fully positioned to get back there and make sure that we're back as that meter. 
Uh, no, they're in the rhythm of their lives. So. You, you nailed it. I remember talking to Mendez for his piece in The Athletic, and I said, you know, for the first week, you know, we were getting a tons of message of people feeling sorry for us that we lost our jobs. Yeah. By the time we got to the next week, they were feeling sorry for themselves that everything that was normal to them wasn't there. And, uh, well, anyways, I'm just wishing you guys the best of luck. There are a few more talented people that you and Blake. I know the connection you have with people out in Vancouver, and I know it's going to be a big hit, and I can't wait to uh, do more of this in the in the future. You and are... Hustle, we're happy to cooperate because the one big learning that I've received from the digital space here is that people are collaborative. The uh, idea being is that cooperation and collaboration floats all boats. Oh. And, and that is, of course, another big disparity between what we're doing now and the typical corporate media environment that, uh, you know, is a slave to exclusivity. So looking forward to being a great teammate with you, buddy. We'll support you in any way we can. Well, right back at you. Now, you are starting this live bit. It's sort of a strange time in Vancouver sports. I mean, I think we've all got the details of how serious this Canucks outbreak is right now. And you don't really need to go over those details. It's bad. It's scary. But I got to ask you, Matt, I mean, you hear from people, you're within the community, you're talking to sports fans. How is what's happening to Vancouver resonating amongst fans and just people there in BC right now? Because it does seem like um, we're we're at a different stage and the stakes are a little bit higher. Well, I think the one opinion that gained traction over the course of the weekend, as we saw this Canucks COVID list swell and became aware of some of the details that that Brazilian variant is actually uh, a part of this a part of this outbreak and that some players are really struggling with the symptoms. The the point of view about, okay, does it really make sense to bring the Canucks back at all this year? Um, they're not likely playoff consequential here in the North Division hustle. They are uh, a long ways back of the Montreal Canadiens and seeding a lot of games still to the Habs. So does it make sense, particularly as you're running out of time here in the uh, NHL regular season and I know there's a potential to reschedule some of these games but uh, are you going to get to the full allotment? Probably not in what's left so you know you might be looking at points percentage um, as being a um, as being coming into use for the NHL draft lottery Um, you know it's beyond just the players it's the coaching staff and our Fingers are crossed here that there are not more tests, more positive tests announced today. But over the course of the weekend, this went from a, oh, well, that's too bad. The Canucks aren't playing hockey and we wish Adam Gaudet, who was the first one, the best to, you know, a a full blown uh, human story uh, with human concerns. I mean, Travis Hamanick, Manitoban, right? He's got a daughter, uh, Young young girl has got some uh, immuno uh, compromisation there, so that's one of the reasons why he didn't um, return to play last year. And we learned that he was the second Canuck who got this. So your fingers are crossed for all the families and kids and contacts of all these different Canucks on top of the team and the coaching staff as well. I'll say one thing: I think the scope of this, how quickly and how. Um completely it's spread through the Vancouver Knocks has to be a wake-up call for a lot of people that yeah. let's face it this has gone on for a long time a lot of us just want to get back to normal people are going to yeah. get vaccinated we'll be fine I think we're seeing that this is a major reality check for people especially yeah. in BC with that Brazilian variant jumping around well we've we've struggled here uh hustle our province has not done a particularly good job here in the last few months it was last week or the week before we had a daily caseload of over a thousand um not good. Um, we have other metrics that don't paint a great 
picture here. But, you know, the other people who bear some responsibility for this is the National Hockey League. Uh, right from the get-go, their COVID protocols were more about their commercial interests than they were about public and organizational health and safety. I mean, they came to BC thinking they would negotiate terms with our public health department on how a return to play would come. And I know on our show, we stepped up and said, not bloody likely, not on our watch. Uh, Gary and Bill sitting there asking if, oh, maybe we can manipulate this, maybe not do that much contact tracing and all that. I mean, I, I just thought it was really tone deaf um, and uh, exposed a whole lot about leadership in the National Hockey League. Well, you know, we're right back in the soup here. We have another public health problem, if not emergency, in our province with the number of people uh, who are coming down with COVID and this variant. So, you know, to me, that's first and foremost, before we start talking about anything, uh, Vancouver Canucks get back on the ice. Matt, listen, it's such a pleasure having you on. Good luck to you and Blake. And uh, let you know, the timing's actually perfect. There's a high demand for sports content. Yeah. I know a lot of people watch Rod Peterson before jumping over to us. Uh, where can people find the new Sakaris and Price when you guys uh, launch it daily live tomorrow? Yep. Well, uh, it's going to be on all your streaming platforms, including the one you're on right now, uh, Hustle. It will be podcast, uh, packaged in podcasts, so you're going to be able to get it wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, by tomorrow, securesomeprice.com website will be up. People will be able to go right there, click a button, and listen live. Thank Good luck. Say hi to Blake, and I uh, wish sure. you guys all the best. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks. There's Matt Sakaris. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Matt Sakaris. And the Sakaris and Price is uh, up and ready to go. And I mean, Matt's a, a great friend of the program and a, a brilliant guy. Blake, Winnipeg-born as well. So if you're looking to get your fix a little later on in the day, make sure to uh, check out what the guys are doing. Um, of course, the uh, show brought to you by Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not Team? Incredible consignment program. Tons of selection when it comes to Tesla vehicles. And I've got to give a shout out to Trevor Not. If you saw in Saturday's free press, first car dealer to accept Bitcoin for their cars. Um, apparently, I guess a guy came in and bought a Tesla with the Bitcoin. Martin Cash did a piece on it. So if you've got a couple Bitcoins kicking around that you want to exchange into a vehicle, the guys at Not have you covered. And of course, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, it is game night. They've got the game day deal, the uh, spicy pierogi pizza, the meats, uh, the case of wings. That's all there. And don't forget, call your shot is still on a BP. The pizza flights with any pizza flights order or Molson product. You'll get a entry. You can win free Boston Pizza gift cards, a custom-built backyard ODR for next year, or an NHL VIP experience. So uh, why not get ready for Jets and Sense tonight with an order from our friends at Boston Pizza. All right, great stuff with Sakaris. Ian Mendez will join us a little later on. We'll get ready for Jets and Senators. But right now, to kick off Masters Week, it is an absolute pleasure. For the first time on Winnipeg Sports Talk, but certainly not the first time we've had this gentleman on, we welcome in... Reed Fowler of DraftKings to get ready for Augusta. Reed, what is going on? Thanks so much for doing this. It's uh, great to see you as always. Yeah, likewise. Uh, when I heard that Bitcoin news, man, I, I would say do not buy a car with your Bitcoin. <laughs> hold that. You know what? Hold that for as long as you can. Uh, Bitcoins. I know we're not we're not on a finance show, but come on, guys. Not financial advice, of course. <laughs> 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 
Um, but man, I'm doing great. Masters week, two in two in the last five months. Let's go. How many Bitcoin does the uh, green jacket winner get at Augusta? They, 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 oh, they well, changed my math? that. <laughs> my rudimentary funny. math. Uh, that'd be great. Like Russell Okung, this just say, hey, yes. I don't want to get paid in fee. I just give me the BTC, baby. <laughs> Reed, uh, before we get to Augusta, we can't talk about, we can't forget about what happened on the weekend. Jordan speeds back in the winner's circle. The timing right. for this could not be better. Uh, an already juicy bunch of storylines get a lot juicier with the kid from Texas getting back into the winner's circle. Yeah, yeah good for him, right? He was trending uh, when you saw it previously, right? He was he was getting top finishes. And, you know, he, uh, Texas, Valero Texas Open, Texas Open kind of was the, the pinnacle event where – a lot of the big name guys weren't there. It's still a prestigious tournament for a lot of guys on tour, especially Jordan. Uh, he's played well there in the past, and now he gets his victory. The 83 event or 80, whatever it was, 80-plus uh, event uh, monkey off of his back. Now he gets to a course that he's uh, played extremely well. From a DraftKings standpoint, I'm probably fading the guy because he won. Uh, but I can see why people want to play him because this is, this is his course. Well, and, you know, you look at the odds that have come out today, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised that Jordan, I mean, he always got a lot of support in and around this event because of his prior history. But the fact that he has played so well for this, you know, this stretch and actually won has now made Jordan Spieth like one of the favorites. And to think about that six months ago didn't really seem like it could be reality. Yeah, maybe we should get our Ricky Fowler futures out, right? <laughs> for her Masters 2022. Get him at like 200 to 1 right now. No. Uh, look, I mean, with Jordan, too, what you saw if you guys were watching yesterday's tournament or yesterday's final round is it's the driver. The driver has always been the issue for him. The guy, you know, plays army golf. He sprays it left, plays it right, and he doesn't know where, like, the distance control wasn't there. We saw vintage speed. He got the ball on the fairway. His wedges were, were you know, finer than, than a knife's edge. And the putting was there. He had how many? He had well, close to a dozen one putts. And that's Jordan Spieth. That is his game. And that's why when you're here at Augusta National, you don't necessarily have to be the longest hitter. It's going to help, definitely. But this course is going to play harder. It's going to play faster than November. Balls are going to roll out. And so even though strokes in off the tee is, is you know, one of the top uh, statistics that we're looking at this week, Guys like Spieth, guy, other guys that can't ball as far but are, are that are great with their irons, like a Webb Simpson, who I'll get to in a little bit, you know, have a shot here because they're really good with their approaches, wedges, and they have course experience. Well, you know, okay, let, you know, there's been people that will be figuring out their DraftKings lineups, who they yep. want to bet on, making all this. Um, you know, when it yep. comes to Augusta, how much do you put into prior performance, experience at this course, um, and how much is it in you know current state of play, and, and how much of it is just yep. something outside of those two things? Uh, I, I would say right now, current form is always gonna is gonna reign supreme for me, um, but but less this week. Probably there's what three or four weeks I would say current form takes percentage away from or course history, excuse me, uh, takes away from the percentage of current form. But it's still the leading uh, the leading statistic that I look at because you you want guys to come in with some inkling of current form if they've placed in a tournament previously. So I'm going to weigh current form probably around 65, if I have to put a number on it, 65 to 70%, when it's usually about 85 to 15, 80 to 20 in regular tournaments. Um, and then I'll, I'll weigh course history and course experience a lot more here, especially also because there's no green books. Guys like Bryson, even though I love Bryson this weekend, he's one of my picks, 
He's not going to have a green book. Uh, and we know these guys love their green books. They they love to see the degree of, of slope. Um, they put it to that point and they let it feed to the hole. That's not going to be the case here. So course experience, especially in or excuse me, especially on or around the greens, is going to be extremely important. So I'm going to weigh course experience uh, a, a lot more actually in normal weeks than I do uh, here at Augusta National. Um, what about last year, Reed? I mean, many people, you saw the scores. I mean, it was played mm. in the fall. It was very unique. People said it was the easiest Masters, if you will. <laughs> How much can we take from last year's Masters? And, of course, that means bringing up Dustin Johnson, where he's at right now. And mm-hmm. a guy that I like that you know I think has been really good this year, that has been in the mix a number of times, that was right there on Sunday in the last Masters is Cam Smith. But just talk about last what, – what can we take from November's Masters as opposed to a normal one? Yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, in the top 20, let's just say, um, which is not a stretch, uh, you're probably going to see the winner come from, you know, that, right, that that bucket of, of guys. And that's not that's not a hard and fast rule, right, to say, oh, just t- if you made the top 20 last, uh, last year and you're going to win the following year. That's not the case. But because course experience plays such a factor, because, because so that was only five months ago, Right. It's not like it was a, a year ago yeah. where so much has happened between that time. Most of the guys that are playing well five months ago, granted, barring a huge collapse, probably like that of Ricky Fowler, um, you're, you're seeing these guys play relatively within reason of their form back in November. So take a look at the guys that finished top 15, top 20 last year, and then you're going to find you're probably going to start to strengthen your or shrink your core, right? And, and really tighten it up to see. Which guys you want to play on DraftKings or which guys you want to bet? Sure, there's going to be long shots, the Sunjays, the Cam Smiths last year that are going to uh, surprise us. But I look at that top 15, top 20 last year and really start there and build out. So where's DJ? Um, because he has been out of some events. There's a lot of un- – he's still the betting favorite at 9-1 to one, um, in a Masters field. That just goes to show the respect everyone has for him. And, you know, he's coming with the green jacket. Yeah. He got to set the table for the dinner this week. Um, but where's his game at right now? Should he be the favorite in your mind? Yeah. I, I, a, I want to know what his dinner was. Like, I want to know how much prep time it took him to figure out that it's probably burgers and fries, <laughs> um, which is like, which is quintessential DJ, which is why I love him so much is that he doesn't care about the other stuff. He cares about winning, getting the ball um, in the hole. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like, I think it's fair, right? Hustler, like, like what? I, Jordan Smith is the only person that I wouldn't be surprised on the DK Sportsbook if he became, you know, either tied or above DJ. Um, and the reason being his course history and then his current form are matching up perfectly. But other than that, right, I think everyone, including ourselves, would have a field day in saying there is no way Jordan Spieth should be at shorter odds than DJ, Bryson, Rom, JT, and, you know, these guys, right? If you take a look at the four top, you know, the five top five guys in odds, there's a clear case for all for all five of them to, to perform well. I would argue DJ, Bryson, and Rom should probably be all the same odds. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those three were at DJ's spot or they all were at the same odds because of how well they're playing currently or how well they've played here in the past. I always love talking to Feinberg about baby swag. John Rom, new <laughs> father, coming into Augusta. Is this going to help him or hurt him? Oh, man. If you talk to Feinberg, the guy's got it down to a science. I love it. Um <laughs> Look, a baby swag at, at Rom at plus eleven fifty or twelve fifty on the DK Sportsbook right now. Like, yeah, but why not go with Bryson? Bryson doesn't have to worry about babies. He doesn't have to worry about his anything other than the. He's baby worrying about he's... everything, Reed. That's all he does. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But everything is involved 
you know, inward to making his game better right now, currently. But, uh, look, John Rom, outside of the baby narrative, Hustle, like, what other narrative do you need other than this guy's a top five machine? Not just at regular courses, but at these hard courses. He won the Memorial Tournament near, at Mirfield Village, which I would argue is is close, right, in terms of the style of course, how difficult it is to score, how patient you need to be. He won. Like, he won that course. So even if he's coming off a few days where his son was born, like, and he's tired, this guy's he's, he's on cloud nine right now. Like, I don't think you need more, more of a narrative than he's one of the best players in the world, and now he's got more to play for. Um, we've got to mention Justin Thomas and JT had, you know, an embarrassing incident on the course that cost him some yeah. sponsors. He had a, a loss of his grandfather who was very close to him. It probably personally and professionally, one of the toughest periods in albeit a very charmed yeah. life that he's led. Um, but he get back, he got back into the winner's circle with a huge win against a great field. Um, it, it seems like we're talking a lot about the big guys, but I haven't heard a lot about Justin Thomas. Where are you on JT's uh, chances to put on that jacket? Man, a fourth place last year, or yeah, November, where he didn't have his best stuff. He clearly did not have his best stuff. If he just had 75% of what his 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 cap is, he would have won that tournament. Um, now he's coming off a win at TPC Sawgrass. Uh, another course that you can correlate here, right? A course that's been on tour for a long time. Um, not as long, right? But definitely as penal if you get into the wrong spots at Sawgrass. Uh, greens aren't going to be as difficult. Um, or the, the greens are, weren't as difficult as they are going to be here. And I would argue, though, Hustler, like on, on Fantasy National right now, if you look at his projected roster percentage, he's the highest. He's, he's, he's coming in as the highest rostered player. But to your credit, right, you were not hearing about the betting market really getting after uh, a guy like JT. What's that number, though? If his number was close to 13 or 14, of course. But you're getting that number without the current form. right? Like JT's number would be there if he wasn't playing well. Now he's playing well, and he's still not in the second or third of the odds. I think there's definitely value there. I think if you're going in a cash game for DraftKings, JT's got to be one of your top guys because he was playing. he wasn't playing very well. In November here, and he finished fourth. There's like that's there's your upside that if it be if he plays a little bit better, he's going to be in contention. Reed Fowler of DraftKings with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for the Masters, which begins on Thursday. Now, Reed, it, it's been fascinating to see if you follow the betting markets, and you know every week, and of course you do. You now we've had a ton of winners that are coming in that sort of twenty-five to thirty-three yeah. to one range, really since the restart right now. Um, it still is weird to see a guy like Rory McIlroy with the 20 beside his name, um, but I think it's justified considering that he has been absolutely mediocre this year, and that might be kind. Um, I mean, if you want to touch on Rory, sure, but let's look at this group. Pat Cantlay, Brooks Kepka, Xander Schauffele, Colin Morikawa, and you know, I'll go down to, and I'll include Vic Hovland, um, Reed, Berger, Fino. Those are the guys basically yeah. from Rory at 20 to about 40. Of that group, who was one or two players that excites you the most that um, you'll maybe have a little more DK ownership on than others? Yeah. I mean, at what point has Brooks just become a guy that you have to consider, right? Coming off the knee injury, Brad Faxon gives him fuel, gives all of us fuel. For, for Brooks to be that guy that we want him to be. Second place in 2019. Yeah, he's coming off a knee, a knee injury, so maybe less an outright. Or maybe it is an outright, right? At 28 to 1. Kind of akin to what I was, you know, what with Rory and how I'm um, approaching Rory. 
is that this is the dip. This is this is Bitcoin hustler in 2018, baby. You are getting Roy McIlroy at close to 20 to one, and in some places 20 to one. You will not see a number like this for Rory once he gets in contention or he wins. Right? He was top five last year, and he went with the same rhetoric about Rory. What's what's going on with Rory? He's not, you know, he's just not the player he used to be. This guy has been inside the top five in overall world golf ranking for a lot of years and you know it's we're seeing a dip because he's just not been uh, in contention but at plus 19 plus uh, you know 1900 on dk sportsbook or where you're where you're placing your bets of course like rory is someone that I, that i have a similar narrative to what brooks is this week of the guys a little bit deeper you you failed to mention one which i do really like is all of these guys in this range there's an easy case you can make for all of them but i love webb simpson um, he's someone that this course is going to get harder. Like I mentioned, it's going to be harder, faster. So the distance that he might be losing to some of these top guys, like he's been, he's been dealing with that his entire career and he's still churning out top wins. His, his past five events here, read top five, top 10, top 20. So when you're looking at that and, and looking at some of the odds and where he lands, he's at plus 3,500 right now on the DK sports book. I think he's a fine bet. And again, you can make cases for Patrick Reed, for Finau, for Casey, for these guys, but I love Webb because we know what his upside is and we know he's competed with the best and has won either a major or the players' championship in these strong fields. Well, you know what? I was just about to ask about Webb along with Cam Smith because I'm seeing those guys at some places a little bit even further back from that group we just talked yeah. about. Um, you made a pretty good case for Webb Simpson. Are you interested in Cam Smith? Yeah, I mean, look at his last three finishes, and especially at Riv. Riviera is a big correlation to, to Augusta National. And what did he do? He, he finished top five. And I think that was his first tournament, yeah, since the Farmers, uh, you know, in January, late January. So he, t- you know, takes a couple weeks off. I think, I don't know if he went overseas, but he takes a few weeks off and he comes back and he just top fives at one of the, the toughest courses on the schedule. And so when you take a look at that, then his top 11 at the WGC, is 17th at the players? Like, what more do you need from this guy? This uh, What he does extremely well right now is his short game. That's the only thing that kind of scares me a little bit is the putting is really causing him to, to play extremely well. He's been a little shaky with his driver, but he's played – We clearly, he's played well here before, right? And these young players, they're not scared of the narratives. They're not, they're not looking at trends and be like, oh, because I'm a first-timer or because I've only had a couple of starts, I'm not going to do well here. Sun J.M., that was that last year was his first time. And what did he do? Runner up, right? Joaquin Neiman, he got, you know, he was cut in 2018, but he's coming in wanting, like, he was supposed to be in the November edition, but he couldn't because of COVID. He's probably hungry. Colin Morikawa is coming off a win. So these young guys, like a Cam Smith, look out for them because they're not scared about these older guys and the trends that, that we're usually seeing. Augusta National is tough, but these young guys are tougher. Reed Fowler's with us now. Reed, um, you know, just looking even further down the board in excess of 50 and in some cases 60, Tyrrell Hatton, Lee Westwood, who's been amazing this year. Yeah. And then Tommy Fleetwood, Sergio Garcia, Neiman, you mentioned. Um, is there one player out of that group that makes the most sense from either a betting or a DraftKings perspective? The DK is key because, you know, with the yeah. smaller field, you'd like to have a guy that performs well but might not have that same level of ownership as some of the other guys. Yeah, so Joaquin Neiman is is probably the most intriguing to me. Um, he's right now, I believe, at $7,400 on Fantasy National, a site that I use to look at ownership and I'm sure a lot of your listeners uh, know quite a bit about uh, the stat, the stat board, uh, the, excuse me, the stat dashboard. But um, he's coming in at 13% roster 
right now, um, $7,400. I mentioned it before, right? Like uh, stroke skin off the tee is definitely going to help. You know, if you don't have it, it's not going to hurt you as much, but it's definitely going to help on those par fives you need to score. You know, he's one of the best in, on tour right now uh, off the tee. And we know that when he gets on bent grass, he's so much better than he is on Bermuda or Poana. So I like him at $7,400. And a guy that I'm, I'm completely throwing current form out the window uh, is Justin Rose. He's at $7,200 plus 8000 on the DraftKings Sportsbook. So 80 to 1. I'm sure you can get him at deeper odds um, on books that you guys uh, uh, place your bets at. But there's only, I believe, four players ahead of him in strokes gain total since 2016, or maybe looking back a little bit in terms of strokes gain total. And three of those players are above $10,000 in salary. So when you take a look at that, he WWD'd at the API, I believe, and he didn't play at the players because of lower back pain. Few weeks to rest. I'm sure he's got a lot of uh, of that cleared away. Working on his game, he always plans his time around master, or excuse me, around majors. And I think at $7,200, if you take a look at who won Millie last year in their lineup, two players above 10K, four below 7,500. So that's how I'm trying to build my lineups this week. Reed Fowler of DraftKings with us, with us getting ready for the Masters. Now, Reed, one final question for you. Um, listen, yep. if you want to win, if you want to cash a big ticket on DraftKings, you're going to need the winner. You're going to need some other top guys, but you're also going to need to make the most of your budget. Um, I always like to ask you, give me a low-dollar baller or two <laughs> that uh, that we need to put in at five or six on the lineup. Rose at 7,200 is interesting, but is there a player or two kind of oh, yeah. further down that you think provides some good value and that'll let us get John Rom or JT into our lineup? 100%. I got three, Hustler. Real, I'm just going to name them. Um, uh, number one is Lonto Griffin, $6,400. Whenever he's below six k or 7K, He's worth uh, he's worth a pick. If you guys don't know, Rick Rungood does a, a good breakdown of Lonzo when he's under seven thousand dollars. Check him up on Twitter. Kevin Na, sixty five hundred dollars. We know what he can do in these tough courses, these long courses. He usually pops. And how about this, Henrik Stenson, hustler? Henrik Stenson is sixty two hundred dollars, almost the min price. This guy, we know what he does at Augusta. He's been atrocious, atrocious. So if you're making twenty lineups. One lineup, maybe, and you'll be overweight on Eric Stenson. He <laughs> might have a nice little, uh, a nice little bit at sixty-two hundred dollars because he's near other amateurs and other guys like me. He's a little risk on uh, on Henrik Stenson. Hey, Reed, this is so much fun. Great to have you back on the program. Uh, quickly, uh, plug. You must have a busy week going into the first round on uh, Augusta. What do you and uh, the DK's playbook uh, have uh, set up for the next few days? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, follow me on uh, on Twitter at Reed T. Fowler. That's where all my stuff's going to be. But uh, articles are going to be coming out all throughout the week. We have a bunch of shows on our YouTube channel. We call it the G- the Dream Stream, where we're going to be breaking down everything, questions you guys want to ask. So just go ahead on over to YouTube. Look at the Draft uh, DraftKings channel. Uh, we're going to have a show today at 3 o'clock. We're going to break down everything. And also tomorrow as well at 3 o'clock where it's Q&A. Reed, thanks so much for doing this. Enjoy the week. It's going to be awesome. It got even better with Jordan winning yesterday. I cannot wait for Thursday. Thanks, and now let's do this again soon. All right, bud. Take care. Great stuff. That is Reed Fowler of DraftKings, as he mentioned, at Reed T. Fowler. You can get uh, all 
of uh, his uh, content picks and whatnot and read great guides. He's actually doing the uh, PGA uh, the live bit for the betting over the last couple weeks on tour. So uh, great to have Reed on the program. Uh, very much looking forward to speaking with our next guest, Ian Mendes, in just a minute. Again, of course, our golf reports always brought to you by Breezy Bend Country Club. Range is open. Opening day is the 13th of April. Find out more on Winnipeg's premier private golf course at breezybend.ca. And uh, the segment is also brought to you by Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, 650 Rally EK. Spring is here. I popped into the store on the weekend, and oh my God, folks, they are so packed. I did that video last week uh, with everything that was in to get you outside. Soccer, baseball, the disc golf equipment is all here right now. Bikes are flying out. It's time to take advantage of this weather Get to Royal Sports. They'll have you hooked up, you and the entire family, for spring. And just before we get to, to uh, Ian Mendez, uh, of course, Nick and Nikki DQs, great sponsors of ours, Northgate, Polo Park, Niverville, and St. Anne's. I was just seeing that Nick popped in the chat, and Nick has said, Nick has gone out on a limb today. If the Jets win tonight, tomorrow at the DQ St. Anne's, mention Winnipeg Sports Talk it's buy one Blizzard, get one for ninety nine cents. So uh, great! It's great to not only have sponsors, but to have them in the chat helping us out and uh, giving a great offer to the people that are joining us on YouTube. And listen, if you're listening to the podcast later on, you'll also be able to pop down to DQ St. Anne's and uh, take advantage of Nick's very generous offer. So thanks again to the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Northgate, Polo Park, Niverville, and St. Anne's. And uh, follow them on Twitter at Nick underscore Nikki DQ. All right, we've got the Sens in town tonight, and I'm really looking forward to this next conversation with Ian Mendez. We'll talk a little hockey. We'll also talk about the sports media business because he and Sean Fitzgerald had a really interesting piece in last week's Athletic, which you should check out, um, talking about kind of what happened to us and the future of this format going forward. What a pleasure to welcome in Ian Mendez of The Athletic. What's up, Ian? Listen, we, Andrew, we got to talk this Dairy Queen deal out <laughs> that you just talked about. So if the Jets win tonight at the, what, it's two for one, is that right? Or sorry, yes. buy one, get the second for 99 cents. Exactly. I have a feeling many of our Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners will be taking Nick and Nikki up on that offer if, of course, the Jets can get the win. Yes, of course. Now, can you ask in the chat or afterwards, okay? I, 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 am, I used to be a real DQ connoisseur. I haven't eaten as much lately. I used to love, Andrew, the Kit Kat Blizzard. Kit Kat Blizzard was everything. And then they took it away. Can you ask the owners? What is going on here? Is it is it each individual's franchises? Uh, can they just choose what they want? Like, what happened to Kit Kat Blizzards? That's that's my only question. I I want you to ask those owners of the DQ. I'm making notes as we speak. Ian, this is this is the sort of these are the important topics we do get yes. to here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Anything to do with the Blizzard, we know a guy, and we will uh, we will get on it. How are you doing, my friend? And how's life at the Athletic? It is great. Listen, as you know, um, you know the the, and certainly I'm sure we'll get into this, like you mentioned. But you know, certainly the the media industry, the radio industry, it's uh, you know it can be tumultuous, it can be unstable, and uh, you know I, I don't know what nobody knows what the future is going to be for AM radio. No one knows what the future is going to be for uh, all sorts of ventures, right? At the athletic, uh, nobody knows what the future is. But I was really excited to make the change. Uh, try my hand. Uh, try my hand at writing. I loved, as you know, like there's nothing more fun, Andrew, than doing talk radio. Really, like it is the most intimate, genuine platform, and you can be yourself, and it's amazing. And I miss that uh, profusely. Like I love doing the, the the talk show, but 
there was part of me that felt like I really wanted to take a stab at being a writer, and this was this was my one shot to uh, to take it. And it's been it's only been three months, but it's been a lot of fun. Oh, let me to take it from me. I think your timing was great uh, to, <laughs> to, to move on. Listen, we'll yeah. talk about that in a second. But um, you know, we do have a hockey game tonight, and there's a couple of other topics because I, I think that once we get down the sports media rabbit hole, uh, we might go for a little bit. So um, yeah. This Sens team, I have been impressed by Ottawa. I think DJ Smith's doing an incredible job this year. I think we're seeing some of the promise that, you know, that that was was offered to Sens fans going into this season. Listen, they've lost a lot of games. They've had some tough spots and on paper, I think, match up. They're, you know, at a deficit most nights. But what have you seen in this club kind of from the beginning of the season till now where they seem to be a very tough out night in and night out in this North Division, Ian. Yeah, you know what? If you go back to the first couple of weeks of the season, remember Winnipeg beat Ottawa, I want to say three times in a row right off the hop of the season. There yeah. was an overtime game. There, Anyway, they beat them, I think, four, three times in a row in, in late January. This is a different Ottawa team. And, and it starts with goaltending. And they've gotten really good goaltending, Andrew, in the last three weeks. And what's weird is it's not from who you thought it would be from. You thought at the start of the year, uh, Matt Murray and Marcus Hogberg were their two goalies. They're both on the shelf with injuries. And the goalies that are getting it done, it's uh, going to be kind of interesting because I think you're <laughs> you're going to see Anton Forsberg, I think, play tonight. And he still has his jet skier. Revenge game. <laughs> the best revenge game ever will be the goalie uh, beating his old team while wearing the old equipment. But as of Saturday night... Uh, he still had the the kind of baby blue mask and the Jets pads. I think you'll see that. But Forsberg's been good. Philip Gustafson's been good. So that's been the big difference. In the last three weeks, they've received competent and capable goaltending. And then as a result, they've been winning. So they've been definitely a tougher team and a tougher out in the last month or so versus the team in the first month that I think only won two of their first 14 games. Yeah, and 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 I think that was the listen. They would have liked a better start, obviously, but this this season was never really about this year, was it for the Ottawa Senators? And it's about building a foundation that this young core can take to another level as they get better themselves and are added to externally. Yes, and but but here's the thing that I think is really interesting, Andrew, is that I think when you look at Ottawa, the the where they finished in the standings the last few years, okay. They finished 30th, 31st, and then 30th. So where are they right now? 29th. Like, it's <laughs> it, it, it's nutty. It's What's really weird is they haven't really moved up in the standings, and yet there's a, there's a palpable sense of optimism around this group. And I agree with you. This year was never about uh, can you fight for a playoff spot. It was can the young kids – Progress, And we've certainly seen Drake Batherson. He's progressed. Tim Stutzla, he's had a really good rookie season. The productivity has maybe been a little bit disappointing lately, but he has been a really, really fun player to watch. Brady Kachuk is just next level. He is essentially the de facto captain on this team. Uh, they've got Josh Norris has been good. Thomas Shabbat. The issue that they're having, though, and you'll see it tonight, they can't find the right mix defensively. Uh, they desperately need some help on the back end. It's coming in the form of Jake Sanderson, who they took in the first round in the last draft. Uh, hopefully, at some point, in Eric Brandstrom, who they got for Mark Stone. But they're just not—they're just not there defensively. And once those young kids come around, 
and are capable, competent defensemen who can log 18 to 20 minutes a night, that's when I think this thing will really turn around and take a step in the right direction. Um, Got to ask you about two players in particular. Brady Kachuk, who's still very young, but seems like he is one of, if not the leader out on the ice. And um, this exciting young rookie, Tim Stutzla, who we all saw at the World Junior dazzle everyone playing for an undermanned German squad. Um, tell us about them and, and their connection together, because from what I've seen, they seem to uh, they've seemed to become fast friends real quickly. Yeah, and, and, and you know this is a really cool story because these two guys, like like Brady Kachuk, is twenty one years old. Okay, so I can't stress this enough. He's on his entry level last year of his entry level deal. He's twenty one. Okay, he's brought Tim Stutzla and Josh Norris into his home this year um, to be his roommates. He wanted to show them what it's like to be an NHLer, and that's what Mark, that's what Mark Stone did for him in his rookie year. And now Brady's still on his entry-level deal, is doing that for other people. So there's this wonderful relationship amongst Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, and Tim Stutzel. They live together. They go to the rink together. They are just um, – it's just great little fraternity amongst the three of them. So that's been great. Uh, on the ice, I got to tell you, the other night Bra- – uh, yeah, Saturday night, Brady Kachuk – Drops the gloves and who does he fight? Shea Weber. And you think about that for a second. Everybody who's listening to this and watching this knows, you know, Shea Weber is six foot four, 200, whatever, 35 pounds. He's one of the biggest, most physically imposing players in the National Hockey League. And Brady Kachuk not only fought him, he took him down. He scored a takedown in that fight. And after the game, DJ Smith said, you know, I don't like Brady doing the stage fighting. But when Brady Kachuk fights Shea Weber, that does something for us because it's leader against leader. And, you know, you're taking, you know, Weber's out of the game. But the message that it sent to his teammates was uh, we're not going to be afraid of anybody. And I'm not a big fan of fighting either. But when you drop the gloves with Shea Weber, that's just a you're sending a statement. And, and, And I think Brady Kachuk, he doesn't have the C on his jersey but he essentially does. He's the de facto captain. He's the heartbeat of this team. He's the heartbeat of this organization. Yeah, I don't think it'll take very long to get that C on his chest at some point in the near future. Ian Mendez is with us. Ian, uh, before we move on from hockey, uh, I want to ask you, I think we pretty much know that the North Division playoffs are going to be some combination of Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal. When, you know, you've seen a lot of these teams just with who Ottawa's playing all year. How would you, if you had to do the Mendez power poll right now, heading into the uh, the event? Who's the top team in the North, uh, and who's the who's best positioned to do damage come playoff time? Well, if Toronto gets this type of goaltending from Jack Campbell, it's going to be awfully hard to take them out. If 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 Toronto gets that type of goaltending, like look out, and that's been their Achilles heel the last couple of years. Look at Freddie Anderson's uh, playoff numbers in the last three or four years; he's just been okay. If they get kind of 930 save percentage from their goalie in the playoffs, they could be they could be trouble. I I really like Winnipeg. And I, I think a lot of people like Winnipeg. If if Kevin Sheveldayoff can do that one thing on the back end at some point this week, if he can just get that one defenseman to stabilize the back end and um and and, and I, I just think that this this it's sitting right there for Winnipeg. Just like I think it's sitting there for Toronto. I think Toronto and Winnipeg probably look at themselves and say this is our best chance to get to the final four um i mean i know winnipeg got there what was that two years ago three years ago when they played vegas but yeah 2018 um, 2018 
Like, so at least they've been there with this kind of core of Wheeler and Shifley and, and whatnot. But Toronto, this is it. Like, to me, this is Toronto's year to get there. Um, I'm still not sold on on Edmonton's kind of – I mean, Mike Smith's having a good year. So, I, I mean, I guess I got to eat some some crow there. But I still – if you're asking me to power rank them, I – I guess I guess I would go Toronto one, Winnipeg two. Then I feel like there's a little bit of a gap. Then I think it's Edmonton and Montreal. The Habs are a weird one. I still can't get a read on them. They, you know, they they changed the coach midseason. Uh, I think Dominic Ducharme's done a better job with some of the things like the power play. Uh, but I I just I don't know. I don't know about them quite yet. But I I I, I foresee a Toronto Winnipeg North Division. Um, playoff series uh, for the right to go to the final four. Well, I'll tell you what we saw that one-one game on uh, on Friday night, which was, I mean, about as exciting and tense and action-packed as you'll see in a regular season game. And you know, the, yeah. the takeaway after that was, give us seven of these in about six months, and I think hockey fans will be well well served. Ian Mendez of the Athletic is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. <laughs> Um, Ian, in addition to covering the Sens, you and your colleagues Sean Fitzgerald did a pretty extensive piece on the future, really, of sports radio and content like we're doing here and how it is, um, how it's delivered. Uh, I'll tell anyone, first of all, if, if you're not already an athletic subscriber, what are you waiting for? We've got one of the greats, Murata Tesh, covering the Jets here in Winnipeg and all the great other content. But tell us, uh, if you would, for our listeners, a little bit about that project, how it came to be. In addition, of course, your relatively recent experience in this industry right before what happened in Hamilton, Winnipeg, and Vancouver. Yeah, you know what, um, Andrew, that was the catalyst, really, was the whatever date that was, February 9th, I think it was, 8th or 9th, or whatever the date was, where they decided to shutter the radio stations in Vancouver, Winnipeg, Hamilton. That was a seismic change. That wasn't just, look, and you and I have been in this industry long enough, Andrew. We have said, unfortunately, goodbye to too many colleagues over the years, but this one was different. This wasn't just, oh, you know what, thanks for your service, uh, that person was making too much money. This was, I think this feels like a distinct pivot from a telecommunications giant saying we're not in the radio game much longer. And when, like to me, when a, when a station like TSN 1290 in Winnipeg, uh, like Vancouver, I guess you can make an argument. There was a rival station there. Maybe you can make the argument they, they were getting out of the game. When you get out of the game in Winnipeg, that was, that was, that was a real uh, red flag to me. If I live in Ottawa, if I live in Edmonton, um, and I live in Montreal, because I feel like, uh oh, um, am I next? So that's really what the story was: is what is next. And I think, um, and I appreciate you take a few minutes to to chat with us and give us a little bit of a um, an idea of this project that you're doing. And I think that this might very well be the future of it. Andrew is is exactly what you're doing: is that um, the power is now, I think, in the hands of the hosts. A little bit more than it was in the past, and I think what what my my biggest takeaway from doing that piece with Sean was, and we talked to about let's ballpark it two dozen people in the industry, either still in the industry or outside. So I think we had a pretty good picture of what's going on. Um, the feeling of empowerment that there is an opportunity here that just because TSN twelve ninety disappeared in Winnipeg, well, what happened? The, the appetite for sports talk radio didn't go away. In fact, you can make an argument. Now people are even angrier. They're like, I I need my my Jets content and I need it every day. And I think this is where um this is where we're headed. Exactly what you're doing 
And, you know, Matt Sakaris has done it in Vancouver. Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot have got a little bit of a jump on it in Ottawa. Um, this is, I think, the this is the reality of where it wouldn't shock me, Andrew, five years from now, if what you're doing is is kind of the norm uh, for delivering sports content. Well, it, it is. I mean, you mentioned those TSN stations and why. I mean, you know, we'd all been sort of, I hate to say it, but almost numb to the bad news in the industry and good people that yeah. we lost because of, you know, accountants' decisions. I'll just call it that. Um, but when you nuke a station like 1290, who, I, I mean, like comparing the numbers in, you know, this male 25 to 54 demographic that drives advertising, that is the catalyst for it. I mean, we in the afternoon over the last eight years were number one, I think, in six books and number two in the others. I mean, we had double-digit shares. Um, you know, in Vancouver, the TSN station, I want to say Sakaris and Price had an eight share in that market when Sportsnet was doing somewhere around one. So it, this obviously yeah. had nothing to do with performance. And I'll tell you, the one thing that came out of your article that I thought was very salient and something that we had talked about behind the scenes in the past is um, how when you have one of these big companies and you're worrying about television and a music station and another music station and then this AM sports radio station, the, the connection, the ability to sell the station absolutely is still there. We're seeing right now the connection that people had, the listeners, how many people were there. But when it's not a priority for your sales staff to get it sold, and there's so many other things on the plate, and as someone that did sales before, if I can sell product A and make X uh, or sell product B and make half X, well, obviously, I'm going to be incentivized to do that. So in a lot of ways, it seemed to be kind of the structure of the way things were set up that, you know, in a lot of ways, built up these stations that had every reason to succeed and keep going, but to fail. Yeah, and I think that's what really fascinated me is that um, it wasn't like the ratings were so bad at 1290 and 1040 in Vancouver. Like, if the ratings were terrible and they shut the station, you'd be like, listen, nobody's listening to talk radio anymore. People were listening. People, <laughs> like, people were listening. And people uh, want, like, the one thing that I really took out of that article to, uh, in doing that article was there's no replacement for local sports content. Like, I'm sorry, you can't do a national daily talk show. And it, look, we tried that. What was it in 2000 or 2001 with the chum radio? Yeah. The team. launched the entire didn't work. And why did it work? Because people in Winnipeg, they want to talk about finding a partner for Josh Morrissey. They don't want to hear about uh, Jack Campbell. They don't want to hear about Tim Stutzla. They want to hear about their own market. And that's what I think having all of the TSN stations, we all had a unique voice in our marketplace. And like you, like you said, I don't blame the salespeople at all. Because if, if, if it's more advantageous for you to sell the CTV ad spaces, of course you're going to do that. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, uh, anyone would do that. It's just really disappointing to feel like we had something or we have something uh, that's really, um, you know, successful in terms of a, a reach and, and listeners, but not have that same sort of uh, sales support. And so I don't know where this all goes other than I don't believe that companies like Bell, Andrew, operate in a vacuum, meaning 
I don't think that they shut down Winnipeg and Edmonton and were like, well, that's that. That that nope. I I, I think that's the sign of things to come, right? If you were if you were making an educated guess about what happens next, I think an educated guess would be the other dominoes are gonna fall. It's just a question of when, right? Like, well, is that not a is that not a fair statement? Well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, when you take out two of the most successful stations and there's yeah. others that aren't doing anywhere close to what they were doing that are still there with other rings. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's scary. I, you know, I know you guys talk to a lot of people still in the industry. I mean, what the, what did you hear from people that were still with the company or within TSN stations that were not hit like we were? Yeah, and I think there there was um, – look, and, and like, again, you've been in this industry long enough – uh, at 1290, and just like I was at TSN 1200 Ottawa, that you always felt like the the the, the, the tap on the shoulder could come any day, right? Like it it could come any day that you, hey, listen, we've got to have the cost cutting, and you're out. And I would never have taken it personally, but that's that's the feeling. So I think that that feeling is still there, Andrew, for the people that work in Montreal, Ottawa, Edmonton, Toronto. It's still there, but there's an added layer of now I can actually hear the clock ticking. Like in the past, they were like, "Ah, I feel like if it, if I'm the person laid off, I get it." But now, when I talk to people, they they feel like they can hear a clock ticking. Like it's only a matter of time before the uh, hammer drops on their station. Does it come later this year? Does it come five years from now? Does it come somewhere in between? I don't know the answer to that, but I can tell you the the feeling, the consensus from current. TSN radio uh, people would be it's inevitable because if it wasn't, they wouldn't have done that to, to Winnipeg and Vancouver. Ian Mendez of the athletic with us today on Winnipeg sports talk daily Ian, five years from now, how, how different is this sports media landscape in Canada? Do you think? Uh, and, and how many players, uh, yeah. how many big players are still involved in it? This is that's he is not a great question because, um, I wonder where all of this goes, where we have seen big communication companies pay crazy amounts of money to get rights fees to games, right? They, they, I don't know that that is still worth it for the radio side of things. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it still is. I don't know. But the, you know, the, the, the thing that worries me about radio play-by-play is what the Blue Jays, what's happening to the Blue Jays this year. Which is Rogers is and 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 they'll use COVID as the excuse and say you know what we're gonna we're gonna streamline our broadcasts. So if you're asking me wh- how I think this could look five years from now, I think Andrew, what the Blue Jays are doing this year might become the norm everywhere. That you hear the TSN television broadcast is simulcast on radio. The Sportsnet uh, television broadcast is simulcast on radio, provided that you have uh, you know some s- synergy in that relationship. Which in often cases there are there there is there is a relationship in in many of those cases. So that would be my guess of where it might go. Um, but I do think that you're going to see a rise in uh, exactly what you're doing, which is um, because you have a voice in in Winnipeg and you have a platform. People trust you, and there's something to be said for that. Like when when people uh, want to hear about the Jets, they 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 want to hear from you, and when people are in Vancouver and they want to hear about the Canucks, they want to hear from Matt. They want to know what Matt Sakaris and Blake Price think. And I think that there's going to be an opportunity for uh, well-established media people 
to then go on their own in the next five years, control a little bit more of the content, control a little bit more of the direction of, of where you want to take things. And I think exactly what you're doing is what we might see uh, on a more regular basis five years from now. What does this mean for young people in the industry or trying to get into the industry? Because, I, listen, yeah. I mean, I, I admittedly, I did, I took a very different path. I had a business uh, background. I was working within professional sports, within hockey, hooked up with Gary. We had an idea. And uh, my sponsorship background, in a lot of ways, got me the opportunity to do this because we were able to sell an idea, get somebody behind it, and then take it from there, and the rest was history. But, I mean, there's a lot of really talented people that, you know, right now maybe are in a position of mind that they were on the air for 10 years and they were able to get that following and maybe they'd have an opportunity to do what I'm doing. Like, if this had happened 15 years ago, Ian, um, I'm not in a situation with the ability to tell people, hey, this sucks, this has happened, but this is what we're doing and get that sort of support. I mean, there's it's so many talented young people and the, the era that we're in of being able to do things on your own, I think, allows far more potential, but at the same time, like with everything, nothing really happens until you're on the air delivering a quality product, and as far as making it work long-term, nothing happens until somebody sells something. Yeah, you know what, and I think so, just to to answer your original question about what does this mean for young people, I think it's important that people like me and you and, you know, uh, you know Matt Sakaris or, you know, go, go to any uh, market I think it's really important that we use our platform to amplify uh, those people because they 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 may not get the chance to work at TSN Radio uh, like we did, and it's important that we like. Here's what I believe too. This I'm a big believer in. This is I don't believe in just promoting your own work. Like for for the Ottawa Senators, for example, I cover the Senators for the Athletic. I think it's really important that. If you're consuming my coverage, make sure you're consuming some bloggers. Make sure you're consuming post media. Make sure you're listening to TSN 1200. Make sure, like, don't get your news and your opinions about a story from one source. So I think it's really important that uh, we use our platform to, and and I, I know that some people will look at this as saying, well, all you're doing is promoting the competition. Yeah, maybe, but but it's also important that for younger people that have a podcast or have a blog that don't have the the following that we do on Twitter, we need to we need to do our part to say, you know what? We got really lucky to break into the industry when we did and get to work for for Bell or Rogers. Um for the younger people who are 22 right now, they they may not get that chance and it's not their fault they were born when they were and it's we didn't choose it, but what we can choose is to amplify them, to 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 retweet their blogs, to retweet their podcasts, to to be a guest on their podcast, to help them with their coverage because um, it's really important to to help younger voices in uh, in broadcasting. Ian, uh, this is just an absolute pleasure. I always love getting up and listening to you with the boys on the big show, um, and <laughs> it's um, I really thank you for your time. Uh, I know the people in Winnipeg here enjoyed it. We'll look forward to this hockey game tonight, and I hope at some point we can do this again. Yeah, you betcha. Always my pleasure to join you. And hey, is it is it a six o'clock local time start tonight for you? Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. So real quick before I go, 
this year, Ottawa has played in Winnipeg. I believe there's been a 6 p.m. local start. I believe there's been a 9 p.m. local start. And then I believe there was like a an afternoon game. Like, has there been a normal start time between Ottawa and Winnipeg and Winnipeg? Uh, never mind just Ottawa. Um, you can pretty much throw a dart at a clock for to guess when the Jets are playing on any given date. And you know what? It's one of those things about being the lone central division team or central or central time zone team within the North division. So you're either playing in the East or you're playing in the mountain or the Pacific. And, and then, you know, for the national broadcaster on things like Saturdays, well, you know, when the Leafs are playing Edmonton, uh, they want to have McDavid and Matthews going on at seven o'clock in the East, which means uh, everyone needs to wait a little bit longer in Winnipeg to get that game on. And, uh, you know, it stinks. It would be so huge for the bars in town if people could actually go there and then go to the games right. beforehand. Those extra two hours before the games would be welcomed. But without anything open right now, it's uh, it's just a little... Heck, the Jets just came back from the West Coast. Um, well, not just the West Coast, Vancouver, but also Edmonton and Calgary. Um, they played two weeks at either 9 or 9.30 uh, starts here in Winnipeg. So... Um, but I'll tell you what, that's a small complaint con- compared to just how much joy I think this season has given people in such a terrible, terrible period, how great the games are, how much fun it has been having all the Canadian teams. I'll take a few extra 9 p.m. games if uh, if it meant getting the games on and uh, being able to have the excitement that certainly people in Winnipeg have for this team and what's coming ahead. Yeah. Oh, no. Well said. And uh, listen, enjoy the game tonight and, and get back to me on that uh Dairy Queen answer. If you, the Kit if you Kat. Get we've got we've got our DQ detectives on the uh, on the work on it right now. Neil, uh, Ian, Ian, you have a great one. Thank you again, and uh, we'll look forward to more of your great work in the Athletic, and hopefully chat again sometime soon. You bet. My pleasure. Always uh, happy to join you, Andrew. <laughs> great. There is Ian Mendez of the Athletic, and uh, as I said, if you haven't seen that piece. Um, it's in The Athletic. He and Sean Fitzgerald put it out. And I know many of you that are certainly with us here live in the YouTube chat were very loyal TSN 1290 listeners. And um, it, it was really interesting. I was happy to be uh, to be able to talk about what we were doing and kind of what happened here in Winnipeg with uh, with two guys that are uh, of the best in the biz. Um, well, man, this has been a very busy show. Let's get Michael Remus back in here and uh, – Reem, you know, we touched on Ottawa and the Jets with with Ian and then got into a little more on uh, the landscape of sports media right now. But um, we are going to get back. And it was interesting to hear Mendes say that he thinks it might be former Jet Anton Forsberg taking the ice today in Winnipeg in one of the great revenge games of all time. I mean, you, everyone was all mad about freeing Sammy Niku. This guy came here and he didn't even dress for a game. I'm shocked that he even was here long enough to have jet mask and jet equipment (laughs) made. I mean, I think you look at how it's been this year with goalies, you know, constantly going on and off waivers. Look at Eric Comrie. Why are you getting, like, how much is it? Is he paying for this custom gear? I'm sure he has a company offering to make it for him because... I mean, the Jets, I, I don't know. It was just clear what was going on, that he was going to be going on the merry-go-round of, of waivers. So good for him for getting the gear. But at what point, if you're like that goalie who's getting going from team to team, are you just saying, hey, you know what? I'm getting a generic mask. I'm getting generic colors that's going to go with every team. Good for him. I admire that, you know, I'm, you got to look for You don't want to go to a team and be like, hey, I'm not going to be here for a long time. I'm not going to get the gear. 
But uh, I know goalies have to break in gear. they got to get used to it. So good for him for having the mask. That will be great to see him rock the Jets mask against the Jets. I think that's, that's what we're going to watch tonight. Yeah, <laughs> well, it will be a neat little side story. I mean, Forsberg is, uh, you know, and he's played very well for for Ottawa. I got a big win against Carey Price and the and the Canadians on on Saturday night. Um, so it will be an interesting interesting side story to tonight. Bottom line for the Jets, I think coming off you know one point of a possible four against Toronto, albeit playing really well in that game on Friday night, and it was a thriller for fans to watch. Uh, they definitely couple extra games uh, days off want to get this win tonight against the Ottawa Senators before they head to Montreal. And I did get a bit nervous, though, when I heard Paul Maurice say, you know, was asked today, well, what do you expect from your team tonight after the extra day off? And he was very noncommittal. He was like, I'm not sure. You know, we'll see. Because there has been a times for teams, and again, you know, the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs of a season, you know, you'll have great nights, you'll have other nights. But, you know, Considering what happened against the Leafs, just standings-wise, you know, you'll definitely, I, I think, hope that the Jets are going to come out with a great first period and a strong performance and assert themselves on an Ottawa team that's playing with playing with some confidence right now. Yeah, the last two months, I think Ottawa's pretty close to uh, 500, depending on your defi- definition. So they've definitely been solid. You know, I had joked in January, the Jets, like, beat up on them. They were scoring six goals easily. I said, Ottawa, you know, they're not quite NHL level, but they've been awesome. Uh, since then, relative to the expectations, they're playing competitive, they're playing tough. You know, a guy like uh, Tim Stutzla getting more acclimated to the NHL. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I think the Jets, you know, they've pretty much been kind of predictable. They're playing well when you, you know, after a loss when you think that they should. And sometimes they've had these letdown games, which you've kind of been able to foresee coming. I think they're going to have a good good game, but like, who knows? But I'm kind of curious about the lines. You know, they've rocking the Ehlers, Connor, Shifley, maybe some concerns about them defensively. But, you know, you got Hellebuck back there. He's a rock. Maybe you're, maybe you're playing a bit more loose than uh, when you have, you know, the backup in there. But we'll see. I think, and look, the Jets are a solid team. They're going to play well, but uh, Ottawa's been able to bring it, bring it too. So, uh, I mean, who's, who knows? Lots of people in here in the chat. Space Explorer. Ottawa is much improved. We need our A game tonight. No sleepy periods. I would agree with that. Yes. Um, and Wrench Doozer. <laughs> I think Jets legend Anton Forsberg knew he'd be with the team until Comrie came back. Which brings up a great question. And I know there's no fans in the building, Reem. But will there be a tribute video to Anton Forsberg oh. tonight in the building. Some of, you know, some of the morning skates that he participated in, taking shots after practice with some of those healthy scratches. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe some video of a walk from the bus to the hotel at yeah. some point. I was I was thinking that, yeah, getting off the plane, arriving in Winnipeg, signing his contract. <laughs> Tribute video for Anton. I mean, uh, to be fair, like, good for him. He's been uh, He's been awesome. He got a, finally got a chance to play. And, you know, there are a lot of teams that had a chance at him, and he kind of just got passed around from team to team, uh, landed on a home in Ottawa, and they desperately needed some goaltending. Matt Murray signed the deal and uh, hasn't been getting it done, and he's going to be there for a while. But, uh, you know, full credit to Anton Forsberg making the most of what has got to be a real tough season. I mean, how many uh, quarantines can you do? How many times can you switch teams? I mean, the human side... I know it's great to be in the NHL getting that paycheck, but the, the human side, I think we overlook that uh, sometimes. Yeah, well, the human side is front and center right now with what's happening in Vancouver and everyone just hoping that, you know, all the players and staff members that, you know, have been infected or 
quarantining, feeling better, but we've heard some pretty scary reports out of Vancouver as to what that team is doing right now, and um, that sort of makes everything seem a little bit secondary when you hear these stories. Hey, before we go, uh, what a start for the Blue Jays on the weekend. Two yep. wins, and I got to tell you, dude, this Merriweather um, closer, I mean, he... What he did against the Yankees in this series, to me, was the best-case scenario for Kirby Yates, who they signed on a risky deal. He's out for the year, um, and then they still got that performance from a guy. I didn't even know this. He was part of the Josh Donaldson trade. Yeah, and if you're in a fantasy league, I think he's one of the guys you're looking to pick up if you need saves. Uh, I think we're still not sure. Jordan Romano might get some, but this Merriweather, he throws 100. He's got a, cr- a killer changeup as well. And I looked at the Blue Jays. I mean, their number one concern, I think, starting pitching and bullpen. You know their lineup is good. We saw Guerrero hitting bombs. I mean, uh, Teoscar Hernandez has been been solid as as well. But uh, pitching. So I looked at the lineup yesterday. I was setting my DraftKings lineup. I said, who is this guy pitching for the Blue Jays? I don't even know who this guy is. Uh, Zook. And he came in, gave him four solid innings, three hits. Bullpen comes in, also shuts down. This is a high-powered Yankees offense. You got Aaron Judge. You got DJ LeMahieu, uh, Gliber Torres. I mean, these you are. You see what he did to Sanchez on the final out? I mean, it wasn't even fair. Yeah, and he's throwing heat, gas, like whatever, <laughs> flame, like whatever you can call it. <laughs> and he's mowing down all these guys. So uh, he seems to be the guy to watch. I picked him up in one of my fantasy leagues. I guess people are, are sleeping on him, but. Uh, I was like, sure, I'll throw a bid in if I get him. Great, and no one else, no one else did. So I guess I'm in the right fantasy league. No, then. that could be that could be a very key pickup. Yeah. And Wrench Doozer is reading my mind. The other baseball story of the weekend came from Sunday Night Baseball last night. And you know, on the warm up in the past, Reem, we had st- spoken about Shohei Otani coming to North America to play for the Angels. They had that huge bid on him. They got his contract, and he's had some injuries for the last couple of years. We saw the magic of, of, a, of a unicorn in baseball last night. He's the starting pitcher for the Angels going up against the White Sox. In the first inning, he hits 101 miles an hour on the gun, gets the, gets the side down. Then hitting second in the lineup, hits the hardest home run of the season so far. And if you haven't seen this, go to my Twitter at Hustlerama, tweeted about it, and the sound, Remus, of that ball being hit by Otani was, honestly, it was one of the coolest sounding home runs I've ever seen. And you're thinking, we are one inning into this game. He's throwing 101. He's smashing 450-foot bombs. Now we know why the odds were so short on Otani to be the AL MVP this year, even on a team that has perennial MVP, Mike Trout. Yeah, he's been hurt the last couple of years after arm surgery. He's back. He's throwing, clearly throwing better than ever if he's hitting 101. And that home run, you could hear uh, yeah, like Matt Vazgersian doing the play-by-play. He's just like, oh, like the sound <laughs> off the bat. You know, okay, okay, this is what it reminded me. Vazgersian talking about the sound of Otani's home run was near orgasmic and yeah. it reminded me of Ray Ferraro talking about Line's shot in year two when he was scoring all those goals. That was the closest thing um, because it was pure. I mean, these are guys that watch it, these plays over and over, over again. Rarely do you get something so special that it sounds like they're maybe enjoying themselves too much, but that's exactly what had happened last night on the ball game. I, I agree. That's what I was thinking too. So, <laughs> Uh, if you have a guy who's doing things, oh. 
uh, that, that no one <laughs> has, has seen before. Uh, like Otani or Line A, uh, you know, when he was cranking one tees with the Jets. But, I mean, pitching and hitting and the American League, no one's done that in like 100 years where you're the starter and also uh, hitting for yourself. So this is uh, very cool. And you have to wonder if more guys are going to do this in the future. Like I, I doubt it. Everyone seems to be specializing. But I think you got to sit there and appreciate what you're seeing. But hopefully the Angels can get into the damn playoffs. They've had Mike Trout, the best player, <laughs> for so many years. Zero success. And they've got some good players signed. Uh, Anthony Rendon, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. So, or was it last year? After Artie, Artie, Moreno, Artie Moreno has not been cheaping out on the team. I no. mean, he's spending the money. They just haven't yet made it happen right now and uh yeah no i would love to see the angels i mean i, I it's i'm setting a, a reminder or an alert every time otani's playing this year to watch um but i'll tell you what it would be really cool if that team could get to the postseason i'll tell you what blue jays fans are just fired up about their squad right now um they've got the texas rangers today now i haven't turned the tube on ream but apparently this is the game with no capacity uh full stadium for the Texas Rangers, 60,000 apparently seats available. I'm not sure how many people will be there right now. I think that they're then going to go to a limited capacity after this game. But you wonder, well, if you're going to go to limited capacity after this game, why in the world are you trying to pack 60,000 into your barn for opening day? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but again, that's Texas. They're in a different state. And again, they're also getting vaccines, unlike most of us here north of the border. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a scientist or a doctor, Hus, but that seems pretty reasonable to say if you're going to limit it after why are you being at full capacity for the first one? <laughs> but I, they do have but yeah, the vaccine supply seems to be uh, more abundant there while we're kind of still waiting for everyone to be eligible here, but it is it's moving along and so I am but it's great to have uh, have baseball. I feel more into the baseball season this year than last year. I don't know if it's cuz the Blue Jays are doing well. I don't know if it's because it's starting when it's supposed to. Everything was so weird last year when it got going. Not to mention, we were doing a 60-game season. I mean, and I think so many people were turned off at how much bickering there was between the league and the players. Um, You know, give the NHL credit. They figured it out. They got together. They knew what they needed to do, and they did it. And they didn't argue or fight in public for a month or two, costing games. So, um, yeah, listen, great to have the boys of summer back. Great to have some fans in some stadiums. And uh, I'm just crossing my fingers that we'll get our act together around here and have enough shots out so that we can go to the ballpark ourselves and see the gold eyes a little later on this summer. Just looking at the chat here, Shark Mifley, the Razor O sound is legendary. <laughs> it is. That was one of our favorite clips on the warm-up for a long time. Just when you when I when I think of some of Liney's greatest, greatest goals. Sometimes I think of Ray's, uh, Ray's sound of excitement and enjoyment of it. Actually, um, the Je- I got to give credit to the Jets. I don't think we talked about this. Last week during one of the games, they had that feature on g- Game 1. They had, it was like a mini documentary. Oh, it was amazing. It was, I retweeted it on my Twitter, M. Remus. I thought it was awesome. But I just noticed on the Jets' YouTube page today, they did a countdown of the 10 best goals you know, the first 10 years of the Jets. And Ly- I think Line A's... A uh, hat trick against Toronto was number two. I actually agreed with a lot, a lot of their picks. number. You know what number one was? Was Truba's yeah. tying goal in the big comeback game against Nashville. Yeah, that's number one, no question, I think. I don't think there's a debate. I guess it was a playoff game. I mean, the I, I would say on goal 
I don't know. I would have thought the line A one was number one, but again, that was early in the season, in the regular mm. season. The Trouba goal was like that was the catalyst for coming back, winning that game in incredible fashion, and then winning the series. That was the loudest um, the MTS Center's been maybe ever or in a long time. I mean, the eruption there, I mean, the feeling at that game. So I, I totally get putting that number one. I think I think it's tough. Like you're trying to weigh when you're putting a list like that. You're saying, okay the best goal as in talent required to score the goal, but also uh, the moment in terms of importance uh, of a game. And Yeah, well, I mean, Antropov's goal was in the top 10. I mean, that yeah. was no beauty, but it was the first goal by the Winnipeg yeah. Jets, so it's going to get in there. I did have – there is a goal that I will never stop being angry for that the game didn't go our way because it has been forgotten, and that is game two of the 2015 playoffs in Anaheim. Adam Party behind the net, the wraparound, the Jets' only goal in that game. It was one nothing going into the third period. The Ducks tied it up, and then freaking Jacob Silverberg scored with 21 seconds. They lost that game. And because they lost it, the brilliance of Party's goal never got the respect that it deserves. That, that preceded Maurice's infamous quote uh, about... Party should have something about burning his house down or something because he'd been being kept out of the lineup and he came in and played that well. Um, but never forget Party's playoff goal, Game 2, 2015. It at least deserves an honorable mention in the Jets' top 10. 100%. The Party dangle uh, is legendary among Jets fans. I mean, we talked about Otani before, a guy who could pitch and hit. We all remember Adam Party did suit up at a game at forward as well. Did it all. He yeah, did he it did, all. He did it all, exactly. And one of our favorite guests of all time on, uh, on Warm Up and, uh, and Ride History. Uh, okay, one, fi- one final topic. I've got, to, I've got to address this before we finish. And for everybody in the chat, let me know right now if you at all caught the Paul Pierce show on the weekend. Wondering what I'm talking about? Yeah, that Paul Pierce. The truth. Former NBA great. Now analyst on ESPN's NBA Jump every day. So Pierce decided that he was going to have a little bit of a, uh, I think it was, you know, poker game, a few of his boys over, uh, invited a few of the girls over, pretty sure they were dancers from a local exotic establishment, and then the truth felt it would be a good idea to broadcast all of what was going on late night on his Instagram Live. Now, I have heard people speculate, Reem, that Pierce maybe thought that he was just broadcasting it to a group of friends, like a private group, didn't realize that it was out there for literally everybody to see. But, I mean, he's smoking on a big blunt. He's got girls in broad panties twerking in his shots. Um, Listen, it looked like he was having an awesome time. I'm not here to judge. Trust me, far from that. However, as an ESPN employee, um, well, listen, the amount of tweets, I go, what is Rachel Nichols going to say on Monday, Truth? Um, And my God, the comments. And then the next day, he he, he tweets to everyone, good morning. What's up, everybody? (laughs) You can imagine. (laughs) You can imagine the uh, the whole back. So, um, (laughs) yes, the, the Paul Pierce... Uh, Instagram live escapade was one of my favorite things out of the weekend. And I'm quite interested to see how the NBA jump ratings are today. And if the truth was actually on the show. And if he did, if Rachel Nichols asked him how his weekend was. 
Well, I mean, you got to be careful. I mean, I walk around with the Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, Twitter feed. We got like, what, 12,000, 13,000. I'm nervous uh, when I pull out my phone. So uh, you got a lot of power on that Instagram. And uh, if it was late, maybe he wasn't in the right state of mind. Didn't Maybe he thought he was doing one thing and he wasn't or he didn't really care. He was like, people got to see this. I'm having a great, great time. <laughs> So he's trying to bring the bring the joy of the Paul Pierce party um, to the world. Although it was funny, I would I kept on all weekend. I was just looking for more Paul Pierce reaction, and every time you put Paul Pierce in, the first thing would happen: Paul Pierce wife, Paul Pierce IG. So um, <laughs> we'll see we'll see how the truth we'll see how the truth made out after his uh, his fun gathering on uh on the on the weekend uh well Remo, great stuff today folks thanks to everyone that was joining us and don't forget what a great little gesture by nick from nick and nicky dq jets win tonight tomorrow buy one get one blizzard 99 cents at dq saint Anne's. if you want to find out more you can hit them up on twitter at nick underscore nicky dq and um wouldn't that be great for a jets win and a bunch of our winnipeg sports talk supporters to go down and get a great deal on blizzards from nick and nicky Oh, man, I think people, if they better win, because this is against Ottawa. I mean, this is a good one. This is a slam dunk here for Nick. They're big favorites. Uh, they've played well. Uh, I think they've played played great hockey consistently. How mad will the chat be if the Jets don't win and not only don't get two points against Ottawa, but screw them out of their BOGO 99-cent Blizzard deal? Yeah, I think the loss, I mean, you can get over losing to Ottawa. It's tough to get over uh, missing out on that buy one get one for 99 cent blizzard uh i don't know if everyone wants to write we've had a lot of love for different flavors i personally go with oreo but i have heard that the kit kat one is uh is the sleeper that's actually the best one well i mean mendez wants us to find out whether they actually have the kit kat blizzard so i'll be doing some digging on that and if that is in fact one of the flavors at dq st anne's maybe that will be a popular one tomorrow dedicated to ian mendez for coming on to this program as uh, Nick came in with the uh, special offer for tonight's game for the Winnipeg Jets win. Listen, everyone, thanks so much for being with us today. If you are in the chat right now, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button, give us a like. Um, As always, tell your friends. If you haven't already, given us a follow on our Instagram page, at Sports Talk WPG, as well as Twitter. And um, we'll be right back at it tomorrow. Remo Masters Weeks continues. Mark Zacchino, one of my all-time favorites, will get the Z-Men's take on the upcoming tournament, have a full recap of Jets' sends, and look ahead to the rest of the week for the Winnipeg Jets, as well as lots of trade deadline talk. As, uh, geez, about one week from this moment, we'll be recapping all the action at the deadline here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Yeah, wow. Uh, everyone type, just typing their favorite Blizzard in chat. I love it. I'm looking forward to talking to Z-Man. It is Masters Week. It feels like a real Masters. The last one uh, was weird. It was very weird. So I, I'm going to have to get my uh, my lineups and my bets in where I know uh, Reed had some great tips. Z-Man's got the insight as well. So And we'll have to look back on this uh, Jets game. We'll see everyone in chat talking about uh, talking about their Blizzard. So. Uh, the Jets better win, or people aren't, aren't going to be uh, upset tomorrow. No, no, this is now. It just became a must-win. Not, not for the standings, but for the relationship with people in the Winnipeg Sports Talk daily chat because of the uh, the big. Yeah. B- this is the Blizzard game. This is the Blizzard game, and Anton Forsberg better not come here and steal ice cream from the people of Winnipeg, oh. Manitoba. <laughs> uh, I guess I wouldn't. Yeah, that would be that'd be a tough one. And before we go, Travis, quick, he says quick thoughts on Bernard Longer. 
us from the Masters. Bernhard. Well, I don't. I mean, he's the best senior golfer on the planet, and he still somehow is able to do what he's doing at the age that he's doing it. Do I think there's? I mean, I guess he could maybe make the cut. It's always either Bernhard Long or usually Fred Couples yeah. that's at the top of the leaderboard on Thursday of the Masters, and then by Saturday yeah. we're not talking about them. But tell you what, we'll ask Z-Man about Bernhard Langer tomorrow, and then last call for Masters picks. Feinberg will join us in the last few minutes of Wednesday's show before we get going on Thursday. All right, folks, we went a little long. we got to get these pods up. Thank you all for being with us. Thanks to Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, Royal Sports, Nick and Nikki DQ, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, and all of you for being with us today here on the program. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be back at it tomorrow, breaking it all down, getting you ready for the Masters, talking Jets, talking trade deadline, and more. And keep on spreading the word about Winnipeg Sports Talk and Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 